Attention SLPs and OTs with existing private practices. Are you ready to level up your private practice and your life and make this your breakthrough year? If so, join us for Make More in 2024, a free training offered on Thursday, March 21st at 8 p.m. Eastern to discover how to shift from clinician to CEO. During the training, we'll talk about the importance of maximizing your income, adding revenue streams, setting up systems, and more so that you can ultimately work smarter and build a successful, sustainable, and sellable business. To sign up, just visit growyourprivatepractice.com backslash training. Don't miss the chance to learn how to effectively navigate the growth phase of the private practice journey. See you on the training. Shirley Jackson is a speech-language pathologist who lives outside of Atlanta. This is her 22nd year as a speech-language pathologist, and she finally left her job in the schools to go all in on her private practice. One of the things that helped her start and grow her private practice are the connections that she's made with clinicians in her area, and she talks about the value of those connections in terms of getting referrals and having people to hire when the time is right. And speaking of hiring, she also talks about her first hire, a non-clinical hire, which was a virtual assistant. And she shares how hiring a virtual assistant has helped her stay organized and make sure that she's not dropping the ball on things like billing, scheduling, and following up with clients. I got to know Shirley when she joined the Grow Your Private Practice program and have loved watching her growth, especially how she set up systems to support that growth, which is not something that she was actively doing before joining the Grow program. If you're thinking about leaving your job and going all in on your private practice, either now or in the future, this is a must-listen episode, so stay tuned. I'm Jenna Castro-Casbon, speech-language pathologist, business coach, and creator of the Start Your Private Practice system, and I'm on a mission to turn stuck SLPs into successful private practitioners. If you're tired of dealing with high productivity requirements, high caseload sizes, and low pay, it's time to take control of your professional, personal, and financial life and finally get the freedom, flexibility, and financial abundance that you deserve by working with private clients in your own practice. Join me here each week as I share tips, best practices, and inspirational interviews on the Private Practice Success Stories podcast. If you're a private practitioner or one in the making, you're in the right place. So let's get started. All right. So before we dive in, can you please share your name, your location, and the name of your private practice? My name is Shirley Jackson. My location, I'm in Locust Grove, Georgia, about 35 miles south of Atlanta. And my practice is Shout Speech and Language Therapy, where we shout for all the small progress and goals met. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I love that so much. Y'all are going to love Shirley. We've been talking before we were recording. Shirley and I have gotten to know each other as she was part of the Grow Your Private Practice program. But before we talk about how you've grown your private practice, Can we go back to the kind of beginning of your career as a speech pathologist? And can you share a little bit about, you know, what job settings you've been in and kind of how you were in the field and what led you to private practice over time? 
it seems like so long ago. I graduated in 2000. I, when I'm with the girl private practice and other people, I feel so old. And so in Miami, Florida, I started in the United Way agency, private practice. And we went throughout Miami-Dade County in daycares. And we also saw patients from two to 52. And so it was a wide range of all different types of disorders, which was really good when you're doing your CF. And so I was there for two years and it was great. A lot of driving, but I got to meet a lot of people and was able to go to daycares and private daycares and private centers. And so that was a great experience. And then I ended up getting married and we moved to Asheville. And so I started in the school system and I've been in the school system for 19 years now in Asheville, Greensboro, Baton Rouge, Okeechobee, Florida, and now we're in Locust Grove. And so between that time, I did outpatient pediatric rehab as well. And so I've had a pretty good mix of things, all pediatrics though. I believe right after school, I started thinking, oh, when we moved to Asheville, I started thinking, I wonder how I could become a private practitioner and I really didn't know anybody doing it there. That was what, 2005, 2006. Everyone I knew were in the schools or in the hospitals. And so I didn't have anyone to connect and say, hey, this is what we're doing. And so we were in Asheville for a while. And then I had little kids. So that dream got deferred. And then we moved to Florida and I had family help. And I was like, oh, you know, maybe we can do this. We were in a more rural town in Okeechobee. It's where the lake is. No one really knows. It. <laughs> but that's where my husband's from. And I thought, you know, they really need services here. So I said, I'm going to start a practice. And I started, I found a room in an office space and they were realtors and they were there in the afternoon. So I thought that's perfect. I could be in this little room. And I did everything. I registered with the city. I did the IRS, got my EIN and everything. And then my husband moved because <laughs> he coaches uh, college football and he moved and was like, oh, and I actually had two patients and it was perfect. And it's like, OK, well, going to put that on the back burner again. And we moved to Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And we were there and I went into the schools, loved it, loved the school I was working with, loved the staff, loved still friends with it, everyone. And so we weren't sure if we were going to stay in Louisiana how long. And then finally, I was like, you know, this summer I'm going to start doing a speech on the side. And so I started looking for places and everything. Did pamphlet. I was like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to renew everything, start everything, register. And then we moved. <laughs> and so then now we're here in Locust Grove and we've been here five years. And I had already started thinking in the second year here, I said, I'm going to do this. And I think that's when I bought your packet and I sat down and filled out everything and I said, I'm doing this. And I started writing down and I think maybe it took me a couple hours because I was just sitting there. I was like, okay, writing down, answering all the questions. Why do you want to do this? You know, how are you going to do this? What are your goals? And I just went through it and I was like, this feels right. This feels right. And I told my husband, he was like, yeah, you know, you know, whatever you want to do, you know, we've gone to my job, we'll do whatever. And then we bought a house and we moved. And then I started, uh, I was at a track meet. My daughter's track meet. And another parent was like, hey, what are you doing? I told her I'm a speech therapist. And she said, oh, we've been looking for one. Do you see kids? And I said, actually, I have a private practice and I am seeing kids. And she was like, do you do it online? Because we're always running around. And I said, yeah, I'll do that. I hadn't even done one online. I was like, yeah, I'll do that. <laughs> and it was before COVID. And then COVID hit. And so I was already doing online. So that worked out. And then I ended up getting another patient. 
and then another one. And so I credentialed with Medicaid because I had done it when I was in Florida. So I kind of had an idea and I did it by myself again. Then I got someone to do credentialing. And she was like, but you've done our, everything already. If you did this by yourself, then you can do, you're pretty good. And so then I did that. And then I got other ones. And once they started listing me as their provider, people started calling then people were Googling me and because there aren't a lot of therapists around here. So if they do Henry County or a city or surrounding cities, I pop up. And so that's kind of how we got here. <laughs> 13 patients and I'm evaluating more and, and it started with one. <laughs> right. And that's what I say all the time, right? Every private practice starts with one client, one. right? And yeah. one of the cool things, listen to what Shirley has said about like how she starts. She had a couple of starts, right? Like you started yeah. in one place and then it didn't work out through no fault of your own, right? You can blame your husband on that one. Uh, and, I then, do. <laughs> and then you started again, right? But like that, like resilience and that not giving up, right? And even though then maybe it wasn't quite the right time and then you moved again or whatever, you still had this plan in the back of your head. Yeah. And then finally, you just decided to go for it. Right. And so, and I love too, that you said that you were doing the telepractice before everybody else was right. And so that was a pretty good transition for you. And the other thing I love that you said, I loved how you were in an area where like you were kind of one of the only games in town, right? So people were then Googling you and like, you were able to bring services to an area that needed more services for, for the kids Mm -hmm. there. How great is that? Yeah, because where we are, a lot of people go to CHOA. I would have students in my school, parents would pick them up to drive to Atlanta for therapy for a 30-minute session. And it was like, that's insane. If anyone knows 75 North traffic, three, four o'clock, no one wants to do that. And then so even um, once COVID started getting a little better, I decided a lot of patients want it in person and I specialize more in early intervention and younger kids and I wasn't going to go into the homes. And so I did get a space, but then I had a therapist who I met over the phone. She was just trying to refer someone and they're only telepractice. And so she sends anyone who wanted in person. And so I, that filled up my caseload so quickly. And then there were so many people around with waiting lists and I was just starting. So it was just like, are, do you have a waiting list? No. And it was like, okay, we really want to start. So it really kind of snowballed just because I was starting new and didn't have a waiting list. And it worked out pretty well. <laughs> Yeah. And that's something that we saw happen a lot during COVID is that people started their private practices and they got going pretty quickly because Mm -hmm. there just weren't enough providers, right? And there's still not enough providers, right? There's still, now is still a really good time to start your practice. One of the things that I wanted to know a little bit about, you mentioned, you know, talking to this person on the phone about kind of getting referrals. And before we started recording, you were talking a lot about the community that you're kind of like the greater speech community or whatever that you're part of. Tell everyone how that works in terms of connections and getting referrals. I think I was really blessed being in the schools. Sometimes we think the school just is just so much work and we think of the negatives, but the true positive are the therapists that I've met. We probably have maybe 80 to 90 therapists in our school district. And one I really connected with ended up leaving and started her own private practice. And she was my, she's my friend, but I call her my mentor all the time because she was the one who said, don't do this. I did this. And, um, April at Talk Time Speech, she will say, look, don't do this. Okay, try this. 
or try to credential with this group or, um, you know, this payer isn't that good. And so just having someone to bounce off of and connect and help guide you has just been amazing. Even the therapists who at the schools, a lot of them do part-time work on the side. And so they know, oh, hey, try this or do this, or they try private practice and they decide, oh, you know, in the schools is where I want to be, but I still do it on the side. And so a lot of people know things and you, once you connect with them, you learn a lot more and it's not something you can do by yourself. I would not say just jump in without any help between knowing someone in your community because they know the insurance payers, they know how Georgia works. For instance, I'm in Georgia, but also reaching out to other people, for instance, the Grove, your private practice, just being able to hear other therapists going through the same things and giving you new ideas and new ways of doing things has been so beneficial for my growth. It really has helped me. Or if not, I would be so frustrated, like, how do I do this? Or where do I get this from? And so many times I go back into the group and do a search. And it's like, okay, looking up fax lines and things or something like that. And so you have an avenue and you have people to connect with and just ask questions. And a lot of times I just read the questions and read comments like, oh, I didn't realize that. Just being able to be on a call and hear people ask questions or say, well, I'm doing this and here we do this has been wonderful. Just connecting with people and keeping in touch with the therapists you've known and worked with and just making sure that you connect with other therapists if you start private practice who are in your community because I'm not doing cleft palates. I Choa called and had a cleft palate. I haven't worked with a cleft palate patient in I don't know how long. And there's no way I was going to take it. But then I called someone and said, hey, you know, I'm Shirley. I have a potential person. Do you, do you work with kids with cleft palates? And they said, oh, yes, we do. So then I help the parent. It's not like, oh, I'm sorry. I can't help you. It's let me help you find your way. If I can't serve you, then I will absolutely help you find your way. And I tell people, I, sometimes I think I'm the worst business person because I'm like, okay, I can't help you, but let me look this up. Let me find out for you. And then I'll contact you. But it helps because then the parents are like, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And then the therapist are like, oh, thank you so much. So you build a community and then you get to be known, I think, as the person who, okay, she didn't help me, but she helped. And that's what I want. I really want to help my parents in the community because it's a hard time. Your baby has a delay. And you're reaching out and we have a waiting list. We have a waiting list. I'm sorry. We have a waiting list. We don't take your insurance. And then it's just, you know, being able to be the one to say, okay, let me help you. I know I can't help you, but let me help you find your way. That's what I enjoy. And that's the great part about private practice for me. That's Because you meet, you meet a lot of different people and you get to be a helper sometimes in a different way, right? Like not only do you get to do the kind of therapy that you love to do, right? And without a lot of the limitations that you face in regular settings, but you get to help people like navigate the system, right? And you also get to meet lots and lots of therapists. And I really love what you said earlier too about mentorship, right? And like having access to a mentor and having people who are, you know, a couple steps ahead of you, or maybe lots of steps ahead of you, but, but nonetheless steps ahead of you, like literally showing you the ropes and telling you like what to do and not do to save you time, energy, money. Yes. I mean, well, I think one of the biggest ones was she told me get an EMR early. I had more than three patients and she said, trust me, you will be happy that you did it early because I did it after I had quite a few patients and then just transferring over was just so much work. If I would have just started and continued and she said, you know, you may want to change once you get more patients, but you already have an idea of what you like 
and what you don't like, what worked for you before, what doesn't work. And you'll be able to make those decisions because you started early with it. And that was one of the best decisions I've made because it has made billing easier you know, just keeping things in order, sending out emails is just really help organize a lot of things I was doing on Google in my folder on Microsoft. But now it's one place to do that and be able to share once you hire someone. So being able to do that. Yeah, totally. And I think that that's what you're kind of talking about is systems, right? And and when we first, before we started recording, we were kind of talking about your experience in the Grow Your Private Practice program. And one of the things that you really said was helpful was systems and just becoming oh, yeah. more systems focus. Do you mind sharing a little bit about that? With the systems, I knew what it was, but I know it had a name. Does that make sense? It was like, you do it all the time because you're in the schools, you have systems, you have ways that you're doing things, you have how you like things at home, you have. And so in the girl private practice, we started, we had one week where it was like systems and just going through it like, okay, what's the system when someone calls you? What do you do? So if I were to hire someone, would they know what to do, what you do? And, you know, you can't just have in your head. You have to have these systems in place so that if someone had to come and do it, they wouldn't know that it's not surely on the other end of the phone. And so when we talked about systems and all the different places you can apply the system, it was just kind of like a aha moment. It's like, okay. I need to have my system in place. And it was perfect because how I get my patients, it worked out well because when I did get my VA, I was able to say, okay, call this parent. And then I had it on a Google share form. I was like, okay, here it is right here. So if they say this, you say this. If you say if they say this, you say this. Refer back. So it worked out really well because that's one of the things I hate doing, which is bad calling parents that initial callback, like if they leave a message like, oh God, I'm not a salesman. I just want to do therapy. And so being able to hand that off to her and say, okay, I need you to call these parents. This parent called me. I spoke to her once, but can you follow up? Has really helped. And then there's a system in place. And so she knows, and I know what she has told people. This parent has Medicaid. So you tell them this, this parent has insurance. They need to do this. And we need to find out this before we start. So having a name, systems, we're doing it already. We have them already. It's just really going more into details to really fine tune and really get your business going to take out all that extra time you're wasting to make it more efficient. And so having the systems, that's probably one of the best things we talked about for me in Grow Your Private Practice because you have it there and you need it. You can change it, but having something helps. Hundred percent. And the funny thing is, is you know, how many times do you hear SLPs say like, "I don't want to reinvent the wheel," and yet we sometimes are really good at reinventing yeah. the wheel. And so <laughs> over and over, systems over and over again, right? So systems is a way to really streamline your processes, right? Anything that you're going to be doing more than once, like prospective clients are going to continue to call, especially if you use you know the different growth strategies and whatnot that we go over in the program, but they're going to continue to call. So you might as well have a system for what do you do when they call, right? And just what you said about being able to hand that system off to someone else, right? So now let's talk about that a little bit because you have a pretty cool story about who you hired in terms of a virtual assistant is what we're going to talk about, right? But who did you hire as a virtual assistant? And also why did you hire a virtual assistant? You see, I'm always 
out looking for people to become speech therapists. I'm always doing that. I was like, hey, have you thought about being a speech therapist? And my niece actually was in school and she just didn't know what she wanted to do. And I was like, do you like science? Do you like kids? She's like, yeah, yeah. And I said, won't you be a speech therapist? And she was like, oh, I don't know. I said, go and speak to the director on your campus and see if you like it. Take a class. And she fell in love. But then she, when she graduated, she was like, um, I'm going to be an audiologist. And I was like, oh, <laughs> and I was like, I understand. But so she, I, she knew the lingo. She knew about speech. She knew the process. So she started an audiology program and then she had to take a semester off. And so I was like, you know, I'm looking for a VA. Would you want to do it? And she asked, what will I be doing? I said, you know, just calling some parents back, maybe doing some social media posts because I'm so bad at that. She said, okay, I can do that. That semester she took off, she ended up getting a job with an audiologist and she does newborn hearing screens in Florida. And so then she started saying, hey, we're doing this in my office. You should try this. We're doing this. You should try this. So she has been the perfect hire. I wanted someone who knew about speech. So when they spoke to the parents, they will know questions to ask and understand. And she understood. She knew and she had worked in a speech department or practice when she was in school. And so she understood. And so that worked out very well. And then now with her working with the audiologist, she understand private practice and she understands EMRs. And she will say, we use this, but we have a bigger practice. So you probably don't want to do that. So she keeps me on my toes. And she was like, you know, you should try this. She was like, okay, I'm going to make it. I just made a pamphlet for the office. Would you like me to make you one? It's like, sure. <laughs> and so, and so she does that and she is so good about it. That has been a true blessing. And so being able to have recruiting people helps. <laughs> So then you get to connect with people and be like, hey, you're doing this. You have time to do this. So that works out really well. Well, yeah, because she took stuff off your plate, right? Like that's the thing when you start to grow, right? So when you're first starting your private practice, you wear all of the hats, right? That's Mm -hmm. just kind of how it works. And it doesn't matter whether you're a private practitioner or a little boutique store or clothing or I don't know, whatever, even a lemonade stand, right? But it's like when you start to grow, you become the bottleneck in your business if you are the one doing everything. Because like the billing has to be done, right? It has to be done. The callbacks have to be done, but the, also the clients need to be seen, right? Seen. And that's where the revenue generation comes in, right? Like you don't get paid unless you're seeing clients, mm-hmm. but you know, you can only, you only have so much time to both see the clients and run the business, right? And so that's And at that really- time I was still full-time in the schools. So right. about that. I was- 7.20 to 3.20, see a patient at 4 o'clock, 4.30, 5, 5.30. So when do I call back these patients? And I didn't want to be the person who's like taking four days to call somebody back. And then the schools had bad reception. So even if I was at a staff meeting, it was just like, I can't answer a call or anything. So I needed someone to help me with those things. And so giving her those tasks and it started little because I really didn't know what to really give her. But then now... I'm out of school full time. It's growing and I'm able to say, okay, can you fax these doctors, the pediatrician's office? So it's giving her more things that I just don't have time to do because I'm seeing kids. That's right. I love that. Right. So hiring is super important, right? We talked about systems and EMRs and all that kind of stuff. Can you talk a little bit about your decision to transition from, you know, working in the schools and having your private practice like part time on the side to deciding that you were going to go all in on your private practice? 
Well, with me, I had started and stopped, started and stopped. I love being in schools, but it had gotten to a point where the paperwork and the amount of things to do was taken away from therapy. I wasn't as creative. I wasn't as fun. I had all these materials, but it was just like, bring them in. Come on, let's go through this. And it wasn't the same way that I started. I wasn't getting that same feeling. And so I knew at some point I wouldn't be doing this. I've been in schools for 19 years, but I wasn't in the same place. So it's not like some therapists are vested for like 20 years. If I had been 20 years in one place, I probably would have been like, look, I'm, I'm just going to work it out. But I was here five years. I still needed five more years to be vested in Georgia. And I was like, well, maybe this is the time. And so last year, I really wanted to go to three days a week. And then uh, my lead therapist was just like, I'm not sure we'll be able to get someone. And, and here, my bleeding heart, I was like, I'm not going to do that to the kids. I'm not going to leave them. I'll just do it. And my mentor, she was just like, let me tell you, I did that. It's going to be hard. And you're going to have to decide at some point, is it going to be about the schools or is it going to be about you and what you want to fulfill? And I always had that seed planted and I hadn't watered it, hadn't taken care of it and nothing was growing and I felt stuck. And I was kind of like Rapunzel in the Disney movie where she you know, leaves home and it's just like, no, yay, no, yay. And kept going back and forth. And then so I did go back this year and it was probably the worst year I had in my 19 years. It was a hard year for everyone with covid and I was starting to be asked to do things that I wasn't able to do and nothing was coming off my plate. It was like morning duty. I had to do car duty. And even when they were able to hire people, it just became my job. And I was like, I've been doing this 22 years. I kind of feel like I pay my dues <laughs> and I know I'm a team player and I didn't want to seem like I wasn't a team player, but I had things to do. So that took away from me any meetings I could have in the morning, any planning I could do in the morning. And then, you know, little things about, oh, you can't wear these shoes. I'm in the room with children. I'm on the floor. I can't. It's like, okay, there's just too much going on. And so I really felt coming back reassured that this was not what I was supposed to be doing anymore. And so in May, that was my last full time. I still would be in the schools because my lead therapist still wants me to do evaluations and things. So I'll still get that feeling of, oh, hey, the teachers and the kids, but I'm not committed for full-time 720, 320 staff meetings that has nothing to do with me. You know, some department meetings that has nothing to do with me and I'm sitting there being the rebel and it was like, like, I'm not doing that. And so, and I hated feeling like the person who didn't appear like everyone knew I was a team player, but I'd be like, I'm not doing that. (laughs) And I'm not doing that. And I didn't want to be a place in a place where I'm just like, I'm not doing that. No, I'm not doing that. I didn't want to do that anymore. And my kids are older and I don't have to love people. And my husband's not moving for his job as much anymore. And so it felt like the time to say, let's water this seed. Let's plant, let's grow. Let's see what we can do. And it feels right. It's scary, but it feels so good. I have never left a job because I just wanted to or needed to leave because I didn't like it anymore. I've always left because my husband was moving. He had a new job. And so just be saying I have to resign, not because I'm moving, resign because I want to do this. It was hard. But then when I told her, she said, my lead therapist said, tell me more about private practice. Is it really hard? (laughs) And she was like, I'm not leaving, but I have like maybe six years left and I would love to do something. And, you know, after I leave, I'm going to be young. And so it, it just feels right. And it's time. And I just want to devote all my time to that. And my my husband said, you know, you followed me and my dream. It's time for you to do it. And so 
it's the perfect time. All those starts, it was kind of like, oh, but all those starts prepped me for where I am right now. And so the starting, just getting the name and the EIN number, when I moved to Georgia, I already had an EIN number. I just had to change my address and things like that. So all those starts and stops prepared me for where I am right now. All those different cities, all the different therapists who a lot I still keep in contact with doing different things and asking questions and, oh, what do you do? All those have led me here. So just taking one step, even if you don't have a patient yet, get a name. If that seed is planted, it's not going anywhere. You're just going to keep thinking, should I have done it? Should I do it? Let me do it. If that seed is in you and you feel it, it's already there. You're, you're, that's what you're supposed to be doing. <laughs> it's having everything set up at the right time to be able to do it. It may not be in this year. It may be two years. I mean, look at me. It was what? My daughter, my oldest is 16 now. So 17, 18 years from when I really started. So but I like what you said too about how the seed had been planted, right? And the seed mm-hmm. wasn't going anywhere, right? And I am not <laughs> someone who gardens or plants or anything like that, right? But I, I like that analogy of like the seed is there, it's been planted and it's not going anywhere. It may take a different amount of time to grow, yeah. right? But when you were talking about being stuck in those meetings and just feeling like that conflict of like wanting to be a team player, but like not really liking what was happening to the team, yeah. <laughs> right? And so, and you were stifled, right? Like you, you weren't able to do your best work, like as an SLP, you weren't able to help those kids in the way that you wanted to help them or that they deserved to be helped, which wasn't your fault at all. It just was the the system that you were attempting to work within. And so now you're free, right? Now you can grow that plant, plant your garden, do whatever it is that you want to do. So my next question is what do you want to do for the next like six months to a year? What will growth at this stage look like for you? I will have a full caseload. I would like 20 to 25 patients and I have my two rooms and I started off with 150 square feet room in this building, like four minutes from my house. So it's perfect. And they had another room that was adjoining and it was, a. they were about to lease it out. And I told my husband, I said, I don't think it'll wait until June when I'm done. I may have to get this now because it's gonna, it's perfect. There's two rooms. I can use one as an office, but if I get someone on, they can have a room. So we can have these two rooms and it'll be perfect for us. And so I went ahead and did it. And I was like, what am I doing? And I was like, okay, so I have to make at least this much every month so I can pay this rent and the EMR. And I did that and even more. <laughs> and so now, and was was perfect because once I moved my 20 years of school stuff, I needed a place to put it and not my garage. And so now we're putting together that second room. And so six months to a year, I'm hoping to have, because I see patients at 5 6 o'clock and I really don't want to do that anymore, but that's time parents after school, after work can do it. And so I need someone to do that. And a lot of parents need that time. So I would like to start with someone contract part-time to take on some of that or take on the extra that's coming through. So having a virtual assistant, having a part-time one contract person at least, and then also working to get some private school contracts to do that. And maybe one more person to do that. Eventually after a year, I would like to be doing more community work. I kind of want to be liaison with helping parents figure out the system. And that's the one good thing about being in schools. I know the system. I know when they say, well, we can't, I say, oh no, 
that that just saying, but this is what is really happening. This is what you need to do. And so because I work with little ones who transition into the school system, that helps a lot. So really training parents and training preschool teachers about early language development. And my real push is teaching parents that you really don't need flashcards, everyday learning. I can have therapy with a kid with a rock in an empty room. And so trying to teach parents that everywhere you are, anything you're doing is an opportunity for language development. So really getting more um, involved in community work with uh, the younger population, especially after COVID, we had such an explosion of kids who need services, who weren't getting services, and who are truly delayed, some who probably would have been delayed even without COVID, but now they're even further behind. And so really doing community work. And I want to write a book. (laughs) Actually, I've started writing a book. (laughs) Love that. What's your book about? Book is actually about how you're really not just a speech therapist. You're a therapist for so many other things and how we touch so many other people in different ways. Um, with all the schools I've been to and I'm sitting in my door closed, my door was always the one people would knock and open and be like, hey, you have a minute? Hey, you have a minute? And we're communication specialists. And so people see that and they seek that. And we're the person who pretty much interacts with everyone in the school building from kindergarten to fifth grade. And so with the teachers and I've just had just the different experiences for therapy, you know, whether it's, you know, I remember I lost a little boy one time. For, um, he had juvenile Huntington's disease and just going through that emotion. And, you know, when you need your own therapy from, you know, these kids become our kids and sometimes we lose them. And just the different ways being a speech therapist is a therapist. <laughs> so um, that's one thing I want to do. And adaptive books to give out to some of our classes, because a lot of our kids in the self-contained classes don't have books at home. And so just really trying to ramp up reading and having books at home and working with like libraries and not worried about them tearing books, so laminating things and doing things like that. So what I, I want to be that. doing 12 months and beyond. <laughs> I love that. Like listeners, can you hear the dedication in Shirley's voice and heart, right? To the community, to this profession, to just wanting to be able to do more, right? Than you were able to do in those school settings, right? Yes. And People hear me say this all the time, but I truly believe that the only way to take control of your professional, your personal, and your financial life is through private practice. And and you've done that, you're doing that. And think of the ways that you're going to be able to increase not only your income, but your impact because of your practice. Like that's huge. That's the thought behind it. And sometimes I feel guilty. It's like, okay, am I doing it just for the money. And it's like, should I not want the money? I was like, but that's the only way I can do it. If I can't eat, I can't help anybody else. <laughs> so it's just what you have to do. And, be, and with me being on the other half of my career, and I don't want to really be on the floor when I'm 65, transitioning into doing more community work and local work and working with parents. I see that longer picture that I can still be involved in doing therapy and speech but at a different angle, in a different angle. So, and the reality is in order to do those things, you need some money, right? Like in order to be able to donate books and to be able to like buy laminating machines and all that kind of stuff. And so I think that, you know, a lot of people don't go into private practice for the money, right? They go into it for the freedom and for the flexibility, but you know, but some people do go into it for the money and, and they're not doing it to like, 
you know, buy tons of purses or to like, when you have more money, it amplifies who you are as a person already, right? Like you're not going to turn into this like greedy monster, right? You're going to be, if you're kind and generous, you're going to be even more kind and generous, right? Because you're going to have the funds to be able to do that, right? I was talking to another person who was in the Grow Your Private Practice program and all she wants to do is to be able to sponsor a t-ball team, right? She's like, Till my practice is at the place where I can sponsor a kid's t-ball team, yeah. right? Or so when you see people doing um, GoFundMe's and stuff for, mm-hmm. you know, people who have like financial need to be able to donate a hundred dollars, not think about it. It's scary because when you've had steady, here we get paid every month. Once you have that and you know, it's a little scary to think, okay, I have to make, but if you have your system set and you have your really, and you know, like and plan, then you have, I, like, I know all, all the accounting and math that I do, I do 10 months because that's what I'm used to. A 10 months. And then like the summer, this today, it was like 100 degrees. And I think everybody was like, I'm not going to therapy. <laughs> it was like, okay, I understand it's summer. And so my mindset is I'm working my behind off from August to May. Everything, June and July will just be like, okay, extra. <laughs> so it's not, oh my gosh, I've had, you know, three cancellations today. And so it's just really planning, having a system, <laughs> understand what's going, you know, even with uh, when we did the profit first for that. And it's just like, okay, <laughs> you know, just making the right decisions to make sure that I can continue to grow and thrive. And I mean, I'm going to have college students. I'm going to need more money than what I was doing before. So it's just really planning. Like I was telling you before, we are already running practices in our school departments. If you're the only speech therapist, you have a system of how you're screening kids. You have a system doing the interventions. You have a system of scheduling. If you can schedule an elementary schedule groups of with your 50 something kids, you can run a private practice. (laughs) You can do that. If you can have been able to be in the schools more than five years and not hate it, you can have a private practice because you have a system because you always go back to what you did last year. You may have to tweak it, but hey, I'm pulling out my old schedule, deleting all the kids and filling that in. We have the systems there. We're already doing it. We're billing Medicaid. That's billing. You're not doing it on a 1500, but you're doing a Medicaid. You know what you need to have documented. We're already doing it. It's just, if the seat is there, you've already started. <laughs> Might as well take a step. Love it. I love it. Thank you so much, Shirley, for, for being on, for sharing your story, for sharing all of these words of wisdom, right? I know that you've had a lot of benefit, like you said earlier, from mentorship And now you've been on the podcast being like a, being basically like a mentor for our listeners. So again, thank you for sharing your story and your experience in the GROW program. And I also wish you the best of, you know, health, happiness, and growth, like for your practice and your family. Thank you. I'm excited. It's going to be great. (laughs) I agree. Thank you so much. Don't you just love Shirley? I love how she never gave up her dream of starting a private practice even after a few false starts. I also love how she shared the value of planting seeds and also how she described how she knew she was ready to leave the schools and finally go all in on her private practice. In the case study interview, Shirley talked about her experience in the Grow Your Private Practice program. She talked about how it helped her have the courage to hire her virtual assistant and what a difference that made for her, how she got systems set up, 
which allowed her to work smarter and not harder, and how she's getting more and more referrals every day and is already thinking about hiring a contractor for the after-school hours, which is something that many of our growers end up doing. If you're ready to grow your private practice to the next level and you want support with things like hiring, diversifying your income, taking insurance, developing systems, and more, visit growyourprivatepractice.com to learn more about the program and how we're supporting private practitioners in the growth phase of the private practice journey. So that's it for this episode. I hope to see you next week when I'll share another training, interview, or tips and tricks to being successful in your private practice. See you then. While this episode might be over, but we don't have to say goodbye. Head on over to independentclinician.com for resources that will help you at each stage of your private practice journey. If you're on Instagram, let's connect. Follow me and send me a DM. I'm at independent clinician. And if you're on Facebook, make sure that you join the SLP and OT Private Practice Beginners Facebook group. All right, off to help more regular SLPs and OTs become successful private practitioners. Let me know if I can help you too.